to keep going. What's, what's going on? What are we doing here? Why are we recording? Here's the thing, monkeypox. They say it's a gay disease. They say it can be contracted intravenously. But if it is, in fact, a gay disease, can it be contracted intrapenously? <laughs> What's going on? What are we doing? Who's responsible for this? Uh, <laughs> it's Brigham Young Money. That's it's Kyle and Tucker Carlson here. Tonight. Wow. It's so nice to be on the show. What yeah, it's great, great to have you, Tucker. What a great show. What's going on, Kyle? Friend of the pod, Tucker Carlson. Wow. Friend of the damn pod. And it's it's, a, it's an episode 100% about monkeypox. It's not actually, but, um, you know. Kind of scared about monkey, it. What we, need, what we is, need on top of COVID is another public health crisis. So Either. what's weird to me is that like, okay, we already have a vaccine for this, I guess. And uh, I don't know why it does seem like there was like a, a like a, a good amount of homophobia that just seemed to delay the federal government from declaring this like a health emergency. Yeah. Like, did they just not want there to be another one? Like, I don't, I don't Man, know. Like, this who, one we're actually fucking, like prepared who for. Who fucking knows anymore, right? It's like, really stupid. I did tweet out though that like, you know, we do joke and we've said it on the pod quite a bit that like every president since Reagan has been some sort of iteration of Reagan. Yeah. But it's a little fucking on the nose for the Biden administration to just like point to a a deadly disease and just blame it on gay yeah, people. dude it's so weird and well, like, like also just like almost completely ignoring it just like sweeping it out of the rug like that's that's like literally straight out of the reagan handbook yeah there was that interview the other day with the cdc director and she was being i think it, it's it's her right yeah so yeah. she was um being just that woman so, is a fucking monster dude the shit she was saying about like covid was crazy Dude, the thing, um, yeah, dude, the the all the shit about like Biden getting like the top <laughs> tier care, and then the the I forgot the name yeah. of the, the journalist being like, well, shouldn't that just be the standard? Yeah, like, it, was Dan, every, it was Dan. It was Dan Diamond. Yeah, yeah, Dan Diamond from the Washington Post, who, who's a health policy investigator. He was essentially he was talking to this the CDC director about how how Biden has COVID and they're talking about all the precautions they're taking for him. And he's like, shouldn't that be the the same approach for all Americans if it's the approach for the president? And yeah, uh, the follow ups were were pretty were pretty tough. So. Like, it's just the whole like healthcare for me, not for the thing, like which is just kind of, again, like the like modus operandi for the entire country. That, yeah, like, I mean, we saw it, yeah. wealth and class based. Yeah, and we saw so many times early on, like when we had, you know, Rahm Emanuel's brother talking about how do people live too long? Like, why? What's the point mm -hmm. of retirement if you're done working? Like, what use are you to society? We had like the human human chattel they were talking about for essentially that's just making the whole whole machine run. I don't um, like. I don't think I've ever heard a more dystopian phrase than human capital stock. Oh, that's right. It was human capital stock. That's right. Which yeah, that like, was pretty psychotic. I was like, oh, okay, we're just commodifying we're just and like human life as if it's like shares of IBM or some bullshit. I know. There's something about like, I don't know, sometimes being dishonest about it. Like we, we, we know that's how it is, but sometimes just hearing it like that brutally is just kind of it's pretty tough. Uh, yeah, it's, like it's it's always like 
And there's kind of an underlying understanding of these things, but like when it's really that blatant and like that out in the open, it's still very shocking. Like you think that like there would still at least be some sort of like veneer, like yeah, just for no other for nothing else but then but to just be like polite, just to be couth about yeah. things, you yeah. know? And, yeah, and you hear like and there's like, some it, sort of tact. Yes, and it comes up in so many different things. Like there's the you know the the Fed is trying to tackle inflation right now. Um, and so they're like essentially trying to force layoffs because they want to get unemployment at like a 5%. It's like their target nobody, is 5%. Nobody wants to work anymore. Why is <laughs> yeah. that? It's like everyone's it's like sitting at home collecting a check. Oh my God. It's incredible that there's like these simultaneous understandings, supposedly that there's like people just sitting at home collecting checks, not working. And then simultaneously, we also need to have unemployment at like a 5% target. And we simply too many people are employed right now. It's so no, insane I, to I, me. And the heir to the Swanson frozen food brand empire. I don't have to work. I choose to work because I am a good American. Do you, do you ever when Tucker Carlson said the city of San Diego like invented tacos? That was yes. crazy. <laughs> There's story. What, you think you own tacos now or something? <laughs> I love this. Oh, of course crazy. not. No I one does, even... by the oh, way. Oh, really? Because it sounds like you feel like you own tacos. No. I feel like I do. I feel like they're an American food, and I'm going to keep eating them, even though I agree with Jeff Sessions. I'm glad. It's an American food. Diverse and stronger. Feeding off each other's you're cultures. Borrowing from each other's cultures. Learning from each other's cultures. I'm from San Diego, man. Those are my tacos. Mine. <laughs> I was just, I just had tacos, and I was thinking about when I hopped on any room. Oh, you had tacos too? Hell yeah. Taco oh, Thursday. God, they were great. I had um, no carb tacos, which made me a bit sad. But that is kind of sad. Mine were beautiful corn tortillas, and they were carb filled. They were I had carne asada and al pastor, tons of lime yeah, juice, dude. some red some red salsa. It was delightful. Like everything good. I don't think yeah. there's a better food than tacos. If we're just talking <laughs> like like deliciousness taste ratio, there like every single bite is it's it's fucking perfect. I, know. I love them. Love to see it. So uh, this isn't a monkeypox episode or a Tucker Carlson episode, uh, but this is an episode that will be, you know, I think the main part of, of this evening, uh, we're going to be recording some of the, the Q&A. This is a this is mailbox, mailbag, mailbox, mailbag episode through the NGL thing. <laughs> But not gonna lie this is my first participation in ngl i didn't tweet this out i didn't post this anywhere for on my personal stuff but this was we're doing for the more pod. mlm than he is ngl you're damn right i'm very mlm um so i mean we got a few things up front greg you want to take us through the hell lines we don't have oh shit we okay we also haven't mentioned that jordan's not here <laughs> Yeah, Jordan's in the in in uh, he's he's on he's in the a, wilderness. He's doing a he's doing a meditation silent retreat where he's not speaking out loud for a solid week, and he's in the mountains because he's simply been posting too much. He's been simply he's been owning the right. Yes, he's been out there on the on the on the like in the trenches the trenches of the posting war, and I think it's time that he gets a break. So yeah. He's out in the mountains in the wilderness somewhere for a while for an undisclosed amount of time. (laughs) I think what's funny is that sounded like I was kidding, but he honestly said, I'm going out there for a while. I think. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think he gave us like a a determined date, like when he's supposed to be back, which like good for him, man. Enjoy yourself, King. Yeah. So. It's He's so for hot a while. in the valley. I can't blame him for going out in the, it's, in the mountains. It's brutal. And I will also say, like, 
Listen, man, I, I, I can't stop thinking about the water situation in Utah, obviously. It's um, so dire, dude. It's so dire. And, you know. <laughs> I just legit I, stopped. I have stopped watering my front yard. Yeah, no. And like. Which is I just I want it to die and I want the excuse to tear it out. It is it is just like wild still that this is like that much of a discussion around, you know, residential water use when we know that agriculture makes up 85 percent. Right. And like Spencer Cox use, says a lot of things to try to obfuscate the fact that, you that know, he owns uh, a fucking alfalfa farm. Well, yeah, there's there's that. But then he, he use he says like, oh, only 15 percent of the alfalfa produced in the state actually goes out of state. And that's like. Cool. Okay. That's still fifteen percent. That like that that water is still could be used by you know like taxpayers yeah. in this state. There's that like yeah. So that could be like eliminated, but also just the fact that like I think like there's it's not in the discussion that we actually need to be analyzing whether or not we should actually have those kinds of farms in this state. If eighty five percent of our water is being used for agriculture, like maybe this isn't the place for us to be able to. Uh, be farm be, be be farming like that and so i i was just thinking about this again because i accidentally got into a twitter discussion with with some, who actually is a farmer <laughs> and she's really she's really sweet and like i and i it must be for like it just like a regular crazy hard. It, yeah, well, yeah. And like Spencer Cox, he's the governor, but and he's also an, he also has alfalfa farms. So like there's a gigantic conflict of interest there. But like for some just like regular farmer people in Utah, which, of course, exist and apparently are on Twitter, too. Um, I respond. I just the only time I am in replies these days for uh, government officials is just Spencer Cox asking him if he thinks we can. I like. I'm like legitimately curious if if he thinks Utah can feasibly, you know, continue to be this level of an agricultural state. Like, you know, I keep hearing like, oh, you know, the soil, the the climate is so good for for farming, and I'm like, how good can the climate really be if it's like if it's it's devastating natural resources with you know water is is just completely drying up so it's just yeah it's just putting blinders on and marching forward till eventually like like it really does feel like we're just marching towards like a literal fury road yeah and so like i was so this farmer uh she responded to me and she said where do you suggest agriculture goes importing will be more costly than what we have now with so many that that know exactly how much water a farm needs, why don't they go help the farmers water crops? I'm waiting. It was very, very incoherent at first. I was like, well, you know, you either choose to go somewhere that's not Utah right now, or you get forced to choose to go to somewhere that isn't Utah later when it's too late. Yeah. Like it, this isn't it, it's not it's a choice whether we're going to be proactive about it or not. Um, it seems pretty zero sum if you yeah, ask me. Exactly. And so like you're just postponing the inevitable, right? That's that's exactly how yeah. And so, you know, as someone she's a farmer and her family like comes from like generations of farmers, I guess. Cause she ended up DMing me later. But she said, I don't she I mean, she was still she was pretty frustrated with me at this point. She said, I don't I don't know why you think farming isn't important to our state. I, I don't understand why you think farming isn't important to our state. I've lived here and farmed my farmed here my whole life. And she was thinking that things were mainly being affected by, you know, people moving in here. And there are a lot of like we can't support the number of people that are moving no, into Utah we, we, with our the, water supply. The the number of people moving into Utah is completely unsustainable. It Especially is. Especially when but, you when you see reports that like St. George is the fastest growing city in yeah. America and has been for like two or three years straight. Like yeah. despite their just like 
not being water, especially yeah, exactly. in Southern Utah. But at least like in in parts of St. George, they're like more honest about the, their their water use because they don't have like lawns and stuff. There are still like golf courses and stuff. But like up here, we live in a desert too. And yeah. everyone still has lawns. But I mean, so obviously it's like we can't support that. But again, 85% of our, our water use does go to, to agriculture. And, and so I was talking to her about that and she um, she, she was like, are you going to pay for my family to move? My husband and I work on top of farming. The ground we run, we have farmed for decades. Farmers across the nation are being forced out. If we're all forced out, everyone starves. It's not black and white. I wish it were. Which I understand like, you know, the being a being just like a regular farming person and being told like, yeah, like you're using all the like and if it's their jobs, et cetera. <clears throat> that's one thing. But I, but I told her, I was like, the state should legitimately like we should be sponsoring people to move to places where it makes more sense to be farming. Like, absolutely. And I'd be more than happy for my tax money to be going to an effort like that, because this isn't sustainable. And like, if you care about this place, which I think, uh, you know, she does, I do. Like, it's pretty obvious that this isn't something that can be sustained long term. And the quicker we just continue to drain right. us of these natural resources, the quicker this becomes un- uninhabitable and then irreversible as well. Yeah. So it's like there's, there's also a huge difference between somebody's like small family farm. Yeah. And like one of these mega like alfalfa farms totally. that are like completely corporatized and like unbelievably unregulated and like have lobbied the local legislature with who knows how much money in order for, for deregulated water use. Like we're not, we're not talking about them. Yeah. hundred percent. The the average person, the average family in Utah, even with a gigantic lawn makes barely a dent. Yeah in the actual water usage what the big problem is are these gigantic farms these corporate farms that are are just watering gigantic just swaths of land yeah at all hours of the day you know and and just using gal like thousands of gallons of water by the hour that's the problem yeah and like also i mean and it kind of just underscores the point that I've been thinking about. That's like any type of actual serious climate legislation or any like serious effort to tackle anything climate related has to be so comprehensive that like it also has to be like a jobs program as well. Like when like the the whole yeah. idea behind the Green New Deal is like not just to like eliminate coal jobs, but it's to like give people who work in jobs that would be eliminated like new high paying union jobs like elsewhere. Like it's not just like screwing people over who have like dedicated their lives to this kind of thing, but it's like actually like a comprehensive plan where we take care of people. Um, You know, and that's of course, and I feel like that would apply to someone like this. It wouldn't apply to these, you know, (laughs) the corporate farms that you're talking about, but it's like, it's so clear that this stuff is so, unsustainable and like there's just where we it feels very we feel very uh it's just convoluted like there's no there's no actual real plan to tackle this and it's like if there's there might be funding kicked to different directions um like i think one of your headlines talks about or i can't remember if you if you mentioned this in class oh no it was one i was going to mention but like you know uh mansion and what's his face chuck schumer have agreed to some type of like climate plan or whatever uh, it's like through reconciliation, it's about half of what it was, or maybe even like a third of what it was proposed to be last year. And it's just, um, it's just like piddling and like, yeah, it's, it's kicking it's a money very too little, too late kind of thing. Yeah. And it's not like, 
it, it's not comprehensive at all. And that's why something like the Green New Deal was like is such an important framework to work from because it has to be like a comprehensive plan like that. And that is like, you know, even the Green New Deal, I think, is not uh, absolved of criticism because there are a lot of capitalistic things that would still be those, those right. structures that would still exist through that. But at least we'd be heading in a specific direction. And it feels so directionless. And I've seen more articles and stories and news reports, whatever, about the Great Salt Lake in particular over the last like month than I've ever seen in my entire life. And it's just like like we everyone knows this is, that like this is a huge problem and there is nothing that I can see that's going to make any dent in anything because our, our governor is an alpha, alpha farmer. The speaker of the of the House of Representatives of Utah is the president of a of a home a home development company. It's just like there's there's and yeah. then everything's been gerrymandered to shit so no one can vote their way out of this situation it's just it's it's honestly such a mess um and then like i i, I listened to an interview yesterday with this like 19 year old kid who's in charge he's like leading some i it he's essentially put together this coalition of different like climate change uh groups um that are all protesting the congressional baseball game today yeah. And like in his interview, he's like, and he's he's nineteen, obviously, but he's already like so cynical. He's like, this is like a last like, <laughs> like they don't care. They're not doing anything. We're gonna go, and like a lot of people that were planning on were are going, uh, were planning on getting arrested. They had different like you could sign up to be one of the people who's probably gonna get arrested. Like they're yeah. trying to do what they can, but it's like, you know. Like what? We're not in a position to do general strikes. Like we got nineteen-year-olds having to stage these, you know, these protests that take place at a baseball game made up of the just biggest sickos on earth, where they can all get together and, you know, hit a ball around. But I, it's just it's insane. So it reminds me of like even before the Roe v. Wade decision, um, when. When the Alito decision or the Alito opinion came out, you know, and Congress rushed to make like a bunch of protections, they voted for a bunch of protections for the Supreme Court justices and then like barricaded the actual Supreme Court. Yeah. You know, and like everyone was talking about like, oh, people are so mad and people are, you know, they really have to batten down the hatches because this is so bad. And like almost no one made any sort of mention of the man who self-immolated himself like uh what was it by the white house or by by yeah. the capitol for for you know to like bring awareness to to climate change and that like that was even before the decision that's why everything was on lockdown there yeah 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 it's it's i don't know it's it's pretty it's really bleak actually and like I, and I also saw, you know, simultaneously, like Democrats are at least some of them, I guess, are trying to pass legislation to uh, codify same sex marriage as law. Yeah. And I saw Susan Collins saying essentially yeah. like, oh, we're not going to be able to pass that likely because of what we pulled with the with the reconciliation thing around climate change. It's like it's just so pathetic. <laughs> it's yeah, just we like, gave you this. So, sorry, gays, but you're you know. We can only we can only do so much, guys. Yeah, it's in which they also had to call like the the reconciliation thing, like the inflation reduction bill to try to for to appease to Joe Manchin. It's just like everything yeah, is so some stupid. sort of some sort of like PR points. 
yeah, as if the and, like, name means fucking anything. Yeah, and like the other thing was like the the the, the way they got, got Mansion to be talked into this essentially was by passing the chip thing, which was like also framed as like a way to fight China. And like Nancy yeah. Pelosi's going to to Taiwan for some reason. Like the there's just like it's so weird. There's like bloodthirstiness. There's just it's just there's just like a lot of weird bad shit going on. And I'm like, dude, are like things are just like on fire and burning and you know, we've had heat waves in Europe where thousands of people are dying uh, yeah. from heat, from heat waves, like in your like unprecedented heat in Europe. Um, it's going great. Pacific, it's just like it's so bad. And I, I honestly and there, there I don't are know. still people who just like refuse to acknowledge. It's like the whole like Matt Walsh thing when he was talking about like, remember the hole in the ozone layer and when they lied about that, nobody talks about it anymore. Oh, how it, we don't talk about the ozone layer anymore. And it's like, because we, yeah, because we, we fucking banned CFCs dipshit. Yeah. That you know, was Jordan, crazy. Jordan and I talked about this on the last episode. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel like rehashing anyway. it, but it's just, it's stupid. Anyway, uh, let's go to hell real quick. <laughs> let's go. No, Jordan. So ha, ha, ha. imagine the song. Welcome to hell, motherfucker. Ooh, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Nicely done. There we Nicely go. Uh, number one, bang, bang, yang, gang. So from uh, from Reuters, dozens of former Republican and Democrat officials announced on Wednesday a new national political party called Forward. The party will be co-chaired by former Democratic presidential candidate, failed Democratic presidential <laughs> candidate, and failed New York City mayoral candidate, Andrew Yang, and Christine Todd Whitman, the former Republican governor of New Jersey. And my favorite is, is like my favorite takeaway from that Reuters article is, quote, the party, which is centrist, has no specific policies yet. Oh my gosh! Which is it's just it's fucking perfect. Just mwah, chef's kiss. You know something that's funny about that article too. I mentioned I saw is like, um, this, some this is some of the nonsense they. This is some of their framing. Are you ready for this? On on guns, for instance, most Americans don't agree with the calls from the far left to confiscate all guns and repeal the Second Amendment. Where have you heard that on the far, on the far left? Uh, let's see. But they're also rightfully worried about the far right's insistence on eliminating gun laws. On climate change, most Americans don't agree with calls from the far left to completely upend our economy and way of life, which, again, like – like this we, is we, just, have we already have this here. party. It's the fucking Democratic yeah, Party. Exactly. This is literally just that the Democratic Party it. was even more vague. Um, let's see. The, uh, on this abortion, this is going to end up being another stupid fucking Andrew Yang grift. Dude, this is so insane. It's not, a, they're not going to get anything. None of their fucking candidates are going to get elected. It's just a fucking sham. I know. It's such Dude, well, okay. stupid bullshit. The last one. On abortion, most Americans don't agree with the far left's extreme views on late-term abortions. They use the like the fake issue of late-term abortions as if somebody as if people are just carrying their their pregnancies to right before they give birth and are like, yeah. eh, actually, no, never mind. Oh, just went into labor. Time to yeah, get an abortion. It's unbelievable to even entertain that. It's but the like dumbest saying, fucking it's trope. Yeah, fuck him. It's a fuck you, Andrew Yang. You're it's, a piece of shit. This is just the Lincoln Project, boss. isn't it? This feels like the Lincoln Project. Yeah, it it's is. It's just going to swindle yeah, some We're going like, to find out that, like, yeah, one of them was, like, fucking kids. Yeah, that that was great. Before cool. This is the Lincoln Project now that everyone found out the Lincoln Project was full of sickos. So, yeah, anyway. Who was the president so, after Lincoln? It's that project. I don't know. I don't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Uh, all right. Uh, headline number two, just to be safe. So last week, uh, President Joe Brandon unveiled his Safer America plan to, quote, reduce crime and gun violence and support law enforcement. Yeah. Key takeaways include hiring and training 100,000 more cops, more money to clear court back backlogs and harsher penalties for fentanyl trafficking um (laughs) i mean this is this safer america plan uh is apparently going to cost 37 billion dollars which is 18 and a half times more money than biden has given to fight climate change okay hundred thousand more cops (laughs) yeah a hundred thousand so more the room. fucking Punisher lock screens. He can read the room. That's for sure. I mean, to like look at what cops have been up to for the last couple months and be like, we, yeah, we, we need like we gotta, a lot more of that. Got to get more cops, Jack. Yeah, we got to love. It. We got to we got to love our law enforcement. You know, when I see they, that that thin blue line, it makes my thin red pecker just real hard. <laughs> like they, I just, love I mean, it, like. They are so horrified of like the fact that so, like there was there were activists saying defund the police that they've gone so far the other way where they're Dude, just it, like it reminds me of like what the like, Utah like, Jazz Army. did after they lost to the Rockets in back to back playoff series when they had Rubio and Crowder and like legitimately couldn't throw a rock in the ocean and then they go out and get Mike Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich and like you know they have this supercharged number one offense and it still doesn't work. You know, like they tried to com- they completely overcorrected. That's what it feels like this. It's 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 completely reactive to exactly that, to this yep. bullshit that never fucking happened because people like Tucker Carlson went on their shows and said they're taking money away from our cops. What's going on with that? They don't want police. Yep. I just it is. Like, I'm sorry, but Democrats, you are not going to out cop love Republicans. Nope. They already have a monopoly on that shit. You're not going to win. If they, and like, like, everybody wonders why Biden's approval rating is at like 25% right now. There was a, there was a poll that just came out. <laughs> uh, what was it? This, like a couple days ago. Um, Polling uh, Democrats from from all different demographics and age groups, 75 percent of them, three out of four said Biden cannot run in 2024. (laughs) This is your own fucking base. And then he comes out and he does this. Thirty seven billion dollars. Yeah. Can you imagine if we just like spent that on something useful, please, for once? Dude. What what over the last like little while with all of these 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 shootings like the the shooting on South Street in Philadelphia uh the 4th of July parade in Highland Park Uvalde like all yeah. Buffalo all these examples of like you know places that you know apparently have a a big police presence but didn't fucking fix anything how do you, how do you look at that just using basic like deductive reasoning and say, uh, we need a hundred thousand more cops. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, Uvalde, shit that, like my four year old could put together. Yeah. Uvalde being such like a, a stark mm-hmm. example of being like, clearly there's something super fundamentally. They broken fucking, here, yeah. But- they, they didn't stop the shooter, 
but they pepper sprayed the parents. Oh yeah, they're still they harassing trying to go that. in there. Yeah, they're still harassing they're that still woman. Still harassing that spoke out about it. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, it's like the so uh, it's like we fine. even saw what was it earlier this week? Andy Larson was talking about the cop uh, that's under investigation oh, for like sicking sicking yes, his. Uh, he held up the his canine, canine, like like so yeah, they could the and, dog like, could attacked. bite someone. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, as he was going in to see, like, if he was going to be charged for a felony, like, he got a uh, standing ovation from all of his uh, fellow pig The video fuckers. was so weird. It's like, why would they, why were they clap? It was just like, I mean, just psycho behavior. We know, we, we are, we know this. We know yeah. that cops are bad. So, all right, let's, let's finish this and let's, like, laugh and ask, answer. All some right, questions. let's get to the, yeah, let's, number. Hellline number three. I'll just do this real quick because uh, we've already kind of talked about it, but he admitted. So on <laughs> Laura Ingram's, oh my God, he admitted. <laughs> on Laura Ingram's Fox News show, former CIA director James Woolsey was asked if the U.S. still interferes in the elections of other countries. And he says, quote, only for a very good cause and in the interests of democracy. Which is just amazing when you hear about like the whining of like uh, election legitimacy in this country. Yeah. And of course, like this is on the heels of John Bolton the week before admitting he'd organized coups while like yeah. a member of this. He was in the CIA, correct? John Bolton? Yeah. Was he CIA? And then he was like, you know, he's been in like multiple president's cabinets and, you know, talks about having a hard on when it comes to bombing Iran all the time. Um, but yeah, like they're just, again, like the blatant between this, like the CDC and Bolton and Wolseley, like they're just straight up like dabbing on people now. Like they're like high stepping into the end zone. Like they're Deion Sanders. Yeah. I don't know if Bolton was actually in the CIA. He just was like in a bunch of like the defense department. Uh, he had a bunch. And I, he think, also, I think you're right, actually. And he was, he was the assistant administrator of USAID. <laughs> Yeah, love uh, for program Sick. and policy coordination, which of course is just the normal thing. Awesome, very um, cool, in, very normal country. Yeah, and then of course the NSA. Uh, but yeah. he was a national security it's advisor. Just, but anyway, it's just the perfect example of like, do as I say, not as I do, which yeah. is just like America's entire foreign policy. <sighs> Yeah, it's cool. I uh, <laughs> highly recommend everyone listen to Blowback. The new season just oh, came out. It's and so listen to fucking all good. I'm four, I, I'm four episodes deep. And I've learned more about the Korean War in those four episodes than I was ever taught in like yeah. my entire uh, tenure in public school and university. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> like it's crazy. And I, I will 15, also say 20 that- years of education. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. And uh, Blowback's the only po- – is, is probably the only podcast where – I have a hard time getting through it just because I want to be devoting 100% of my attention to it. So I like save it exclusively for times where I know I can be doing that. So it's harder for me to get through it like quickly, but like, I I listen to it on my morning walks when I'm isolated. That's what I need to do. I do. It's, that's been my, my thing lately is I'll drop Noah off at daycare and then I'll go for my morning walk. And then (laughs) I start my day after that. It's, it's lovely. It's delightful. I love it. Yeah. All right, Greg. Uh, I don't. I don't have any. Of this Greg. I think you're just going to give us all the questions because yeah, I don't. Man, we're going to speed round this. this shit too. Let's go. We've already been. We've been recording for a half an hour already. All right. <laughs> so again, thank you again for everyone who submitted your questions. Uh, 
I might stop like in, you know, if, if the questions are gross and weird and shit, I'm not going <laughs> to like they're Jordan specific or yeah, if they're Jordan specific. Um, but yeah, we're going to roll the dice. First question up, how to find other leftists in Utah. Oh, oh, get, man. A, get a Twitter account. Well, there's also Join that, DSA. I, yeah. Join PSL. I would follow, I would follow PSL DSA, um, on, like Instagram and Twitter and they're all, they're constantly posting like meetups and stuff. So like, yeah, um, DSA in particular, I know just had like, you know, if it's been happening a lot around different uh, businesses that are unionizing. So like workers at Starbucks have been unionizing and they've been planning like events around that DSA and PSL both have been doing that. Um, and then I know both groups, but I know specifically DSA has like monthly calendars that they put out of different events that are happening uh-huh. throughout their month. They do like movie nights. They do like get together in the park and just like hang out and talk. They do like different things like that, book clubs, et cetera. So there's plenty of, the, I, I would uh, highly recommend doing that, that kind of thing. The Utah abortion fund does the same thing. Yeah. Yes. So Utah definitely follow and follow Mads uh, at Utah Mad. She's always talking about that kind of stuff, uh, like organizing and uh, meetups and different events. She's a wonderful follow, huge friend of the program, and we love her dearly. Yes. She hasn't been on Mm -hmm. in a while, but yeah. uh, We got to have her on. Yeah. SLC DSA on Twitter. Um, They, you know, (laughs) even if you don't go to the general meetings, which. you should at least go to some of the social yeah. gatherings because yeah. the social stuff um, is a good idea. So, um, especially when like you know, uh, a lot of it is being like done in support for places like Starbucks workers unionizing. Yeah. So, and they they'll do they they'll do like community service projects too, like fixing people's taillights and yeah. Let me see if there's like one little coming little out. things like little things like that. Yeah. I don't know. I'll keep looking. In the meantime. Um, I'll, I'll take this, this, this oh, is a they question. literally have a Salt Lake DSA.org slash events where they have their whole calendar there. So, well, go there. Um, yeah. So they've got a bunch of stuff coming. Like they, they had a celebration in the park when for to celebrate this, uh, Conwood Heights Starbucks that unionized. And then they posted their core, their calendar for August and they've got stuff. They've got book clubs, they've got general meetings, they've got, and they'll probably be adding some more social events to that. But anyway, do that. Huh yeah amen uh question number two this is something we've already talked about uh, at large but i think it's where it, it bears repeating uh the question is how were you all radicalized uh i can go ahead and take this yes. firsthand um for years i was clocking into the dick sucking factory and then i realized you know we're sucking all these dicks and we're not getting any benefits and so I decided to unionize and became the union leader of the dick sucking factory. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. What's no, funny is that's um, going to lead into the, your actual story, which is really depressing. No, <laughs> no um, long, I mean, outside of just like being aware and reading books and just like being an American, uh, the big thing was when my uh, brother died about eight years ago and I got a firsthand look at how terrible the American healthcare system was. Yeah. Yeah. That'll, that'll do it. Um, I don't know for me, I, I, I grew up being very, uh, I like, I, I became first politically aware. I, like you said, I think we've talked about this kind of at length in one of our episodes, mm-hmm. but 
Um, I think it was like I episode became, like, two or three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I became politically aware, I guess, um, during the Obama era um, around things like I was very, felt very anti-war. I was very, um, and I like, I even thought I was like, the only people I heard at the time that I <clears throat> were in my consciousness that I that were like anti-war, like pro-gay marriage, pro-like marijuana legalization yeah. were like libertarians. And I was like, oh shit, like maybe, maybe this is like what makes sense. And then, um, and then I like learned, uh, about like actual capitalist critiques and I was like, yeah. oh yeah, this makes way more sense. And then I had my own personal experiences with the healthcare system. Um, in my early twenties that, uh, I was like, you know, in some cases, like there were times when I felt I was like, wow, I'm really lucky to have like this, this healthcare that I have. Like, I, I don't know how people that don't have what I have right now make this work. And then I lost healthcare that I had and it just like solidified that feeling even more. And I was just like, this is unbelievable that like, this is well, how this works. You, you realize, at least for me, like when I lost my job, um, and was without health insurance, you go from that, like, it's a total paradigm shift of like, you think, oh, how do people get by without this coverage that I have yeah. to then switching and being like, they fucking don't. Yeah, exactly. They exactly. don't fucking get by. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I started to like, you know, learn more about that. And I, and I'd grown up like, you know, pretty, pretty lucky that like my dad has worked for the same company. Like he's one of like probably the last in his in the generation that works for the same company his entire career uh -huh. probably one of the last people in the private sector that ha he has a pension too and like healthcare stuff was was like never a concern and then like i started getting on my own you know plans and stuff and i was like dude what like are you serious like this is seriously how the, how this works like I, it was just yeah. pure ignorance to how all of that functioned and then of course just you know ex really expanded from there and uh yeah i mean i i I still like feel so passionately about like healthcare being one of the most just absurdly broken things with this country. That's just, there's absolutely no excuse. And the fact that people, you know, it was the onus was on someone like Bernie Sanders to advocate for a, yeah, a single Bernie, payer Bernie system. was huge. Yeah. But like he, it was, the onus was on on him to advocate for a single payer system that, you know, involved eliminating insurance companies instead of the onus being on the people advocating for the, the companies that are profiting off of off of human suffering like it's crazy that that's yeah like that's the the paradigm like it, and that is just and it's just so broken and then uh i met i met jordan and greg through you know some of the the like democratic primary stuff around bernie but it was like bernie 2016 is when i first was like oh okay that like, really that really opened my eyes to things and like especially just living through the obama years which were the biggest disappointment of my entire life. Like I was yeah. so fucking, I fucking cried when Obama <laughs> was elected. <laughs> yeah. I was like, and I was like, I was talking to family members, like this is the hope and change we need. Like, and then, and then like, you know, afterwards learning things like he had fucking Citibank choose his cabinet and, uh, you know, the litany of war crimes and just all the shit he didn't do and like yeah. how his like fumbling the ball has led to where we're at now. And like you realize that like Democrats aren't going to save you and there has yeah. to be some sort of other way. And mm -hmm. that, yeah, the Bernie campaign and then like that opened me up to uh, a lot of like online leftists, which then uh, 
exposed me to all sorts of literature. And I started reading Chomsky and I read Tim Wiener and uh, Howard Zinn and, you know, books like Pedagogy of the Oppressed and, yeah. and you know, like this long history. And then you really you learn all about the like the seedy underbelly of america that's just not taught and you're like oh yeah wait we are the baddies and we can't continue to do this yeah yeah and like i don't know i i really don't i, I was very misguided politically in like my youth it's kind of hard to being from utah course. in a place that's like that is this uh, much so of a insular and insulated like and there was so, so much insular. like yeah, like there was so like I I mean and like you know Twitter wasn't as much of a thing when I was like that age too so like I, I wasn't like just exposed to very many like other opinions or trains of thought but like I thought you know I was like oh like I'm pretty I'm staunchly like anti-war I'm like pro gay marriage like I've got this all got this yeah, all figured I, Iraq out. Iraq was another thing for me that was that was really big. Yeah. And then, like, like I mentioned, like I, 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 the Bernie campaign in 2016 was kind of what, like, I started to feel like, oh, now I understand, like, kind of what's going on here. And then in 2020 is when I like really dedicated a shit ton of my time and effort into trying to make that a thing. And like, I'm really stoked that I did that because uh, he crushed oh, in yeah. Utah, both in 2016 and 2020. But like, also, you know, I knocked so many, so many doors uh, and yeah. talked to so many people around that time, and um yeah like that just it solidified that even more that it's just like yeah uh yeah anyway there's a lot of disaffected people and i felt you know who have a lot more reason to feel disaffected than, than i've ever had and it's just solidified that even more so it's not going to be changing anytime anytime soon that's for that's for damn sure but anyway all right yeah uh next question what's your favorite part about mormonism <laughs> like sarcastic <laughs> answer or real answer <laughs> I'm going, I mean, you already know where I'm going, so. Mm. Oh, that's a tough one. Sarcastic answer. <laughs> Would Okay, well, okay. Actually, real answer, uh, church ball and like the amount of basketball yeah. courts I had access to through the winter as a kid. Like that's, that's kind oh, of yes. like for a, for a, for a four season state like Utah, there are more youth like young men playing basketball in utah per capita than probably anywhere else just because of church church ball access so yeah, dude honestly, i am sh yeah <laughs> i'm one phone call away on every single night of the week from a pickup basketball game somewhere yeah. in the valley yeah. i think oh, that's dude. yeah that's that's yeah. spot on tony jones has talked about that on twitter before where he's just like i mean he's from new york i think uh but he's yeah. like dude it's crazy out here there's just like hoopers everywhere out here because kids just grow up playing basketball in a church all the time mm -hmm. and so there's just like average dudes just like who are like above average at basketball just because it's really accessible here which is pretty funny so that yeah, is that was like my favorite thing dude my entire my 20s all the way up until like i hurt myself with my shoulder like hooping two three times a week yeah like every saturday morning at 8 a.m was ball for years yeah i yeah. think that's a great answer outside of, outside of that um i really loved when i was a kid i loved the animated book of mormon series that that oh, like, yeah those were good, a lot dude. of my time those were great um and gotta be honest man the deseret news and just the like the sheer amount of just like unhinged twitter threads that like just bring me uh 
just an enormous amount of joy into my life. Just yeah. the absolute most unhinged, crazy shit. Yeah. Everything from like baby names to like why uh, <laughs> Joseph Smith would have been a crypto bro. Sure. Yeah. Like everything. Like just like I can't tell you how much like I feel like we owe the Deseret News royalties at this point for just the we sheer might, honestly. amount of content. Like, I'd, yeah, that, they're great. We love them. Yeah. That's yeah, probably they're, my they're favorite. They're hilarious. Part. Yeah. Yeah. There right. I mean, yeah, yeah. That, that's a, that's a really good answer. I mean, just culturally Mormons are really entertaining. Like the mom talk stuff is great. <laughs> it's great yeah. content. Mom talk. Yeah, that's exactly the type of shit I'm talking about. And but it also yeah. it all just goes back to just this like this these thoroughly unhinged people. Oh yeah, it's very it's for, a deep for a like a like laundry list, like a litany of reasons from like sexual repression yeah. to like the insularity of Utah to yeah, uh, just like thoroughly just like gargling bullshit their entire life. Uh, it does just incredible things to the brain. I mean, and Truman I, on uh, did like four episodes in a row about <laughs> Mormons <laughs> and like Utah stuff. The, so. the Utah County David Levitt. Uh, that's unbelievable anyway next uh next question what's your opinion on my theory that scientology is just sci-fi mormonism i will not elaborate any further i'm sure cool sounds good correct yeah Yeah. i think that's probably right i mean like yeah there are a lot of there are all sorts of parallels between l ron hubbard and joseph smith you know mostly that they're both cult leaders yeah um next question how do we solve the housing crisis um i've got a uh, two-word answer wood chipper <laughs> i mean there are so many like non-radical things that really shouldn't be radical that would at least make a dent to at least get us back to something that's a bit more manageable and like walkable communities like well not yeah. not simply like realizing that like spaces need to be egalitarian and that we can't just continue to to build single family uh, houses throughout the entire valley. Like at some yeah. point, we got to start going up and sort of like we got to get rid of the urban sprawl, and we need to play places to be more accessible, especially in the city where the jobs are. Yeah, and like uh, one thing also is that you know corporations shouldn't be able to buy houses to rent them yeah. out. Like that's insane. Just turning you know the housing rental market is one of the most absurd things to ever exist. And like you know, I, I understand from at some level you know, people not wanting to have a commitment, like buying a house is getting tied down. So there might be people who prefer to rent. But the problem is with that is like the renters are so screwed over in this country in particular, like there are no subsidies to help with renting like there are with being able to write off like mortgage interest, for instance, but like, right. Um, yeah, so that's that's like a big thing. But then I mean, quite honestly, it just needs to be completely decommodified. Like I don't think anything revolving healthcare, food, education, housing should ever be commodified and so Absolutely. there needs to be like uh you know a lot more public investment in you know giving people houses giving people you know like if we're not doing public or uh you know urban sprawl or giving out lands like we need to be giving people giving people homes <laughs> that's just yep. that's just like what it should be and I, like, uh, legitimately yeah. could not agree more like yeah there needs to be like a complete like decommodification and demonetization of the american way of life yeah okay this is this is i think this is good this is like a little bit of uh uh constructive criticism some feedback we we love says you guys rock you really do when slash if are you going to have more diverse guests on the pod 
There's a large presence of white leftist broadcasts, quote, or parentheses, and that's fine, but other perspectives could be cool to highlight. Also, yeah. ACAP. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. We haven't had guests on for a while, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, we got we to bring – I think we got to do a better job of bringing in guests. I think that's yeah. a very – I actually think that's that's good – Good criticism. I can't really give you a date as far as when and if. I'm usually the person who books the guests, but I can on record yeah. say that I will make a more concerted effort to bring on uh, more diverse guests. Yeah. And we're just so shitty at planning. And like during the summer, it's really tough because we've got a ton of stuff going on. So our schedule is always like super messed up. So hopefully but as I we can... settle into like a bit more of like a normal cadence uh, in the fall and winter when we have less less fewer things going on we'll get some we'll get some guests on we'll make yeah. sure that we uh, mix it up but yeah appreciate the kind words and the constructive criticism because yeah agreed yeah i think that's that's very fair um next question any new book recommendations oh i feel like you you're always reading new books yeah you know i uh i just finished a book that i thought was really pretty fascinating I'm not like Mr. Theory guy, um, but I've had this book on my bookshelf for like, I don't know, five, six years. And I just, um, it's, it's always one of those books that I've planned on reading and then I finally did. It's a book called Nation of Rebels, Why Counterculture Becomes Consumer Culture. Mm. Uh, and like the the ultimate premise of the book is that there is no such thing as 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 a counterculture because it like it, uh, uh, counterculture cannot exist uh, in a capitalist society because it just yeah. it ends up getting uh, co-opted and like we've talked about commodified and monetized. And they used all sorts of really interesting examples about like, you know, the healthcare system in America. So, so dog shit. Um, so people, go to, you know, Eastern medicine and, and alternative medicine and that therein, you know, has kind of become its own counterculture. Um, but it's also turned into a billion dollar industry, you know, and it talks about things like the punk movement, which like now, like when that was going on, like stock for like Converse all-stars and Doc Martens like skyrocketed, you know, they talk about that, yeah. like, they talk about that in SLC punk about like you're wearing, like you're conforming just in it, like basically in a different way. Um, they also talked about like, you know, it was a, it was a good criticism of like kind of the, the, the left and the right and like why a lot of these countercultural uh, movements have failed. And they talked about yeah. like the, the like, techno libertarian ideal of what the internet was supposed to be like it was supposed to be the final frontier the absolute wild west but even that got commodified and it's why like every other post on instagram now is a fucking ad yeah yeah anyway yeah. it's called nation of rebels why counterculture became consumer culture it's by joseph heath and andrew potter that's my uh that's cool. my book report and my recommendation that's a good one i just started how we go home which is a book edited by Sarah Sinclair. It's essentially, it's a lot of, of uh, um, essays or uh, stories shared from indigenous Americans from North America. I haven't gone oh, wow. through it yet, so I can't speak to its, uh, it. And I can't speak to it in its entirety, but from what I've read so far, it's really good. And I've been really into like learning about uh, indigenous American stuff lately, just because, I mean, living in Utah, we get uh, a very one-sided uh, um, history lesson on that kind of stuff growing up around here, um, especially 
you know, we're around. You actually got an education right about that? Because I sure as shit didn't. I mean, it you could you wouldn't you shouldn't call it an education, quite honestly. <laughs> I did. I remember doing a um, uh, like a, a report on on the on the Paiute Indians uh, when I was in like fourth or fifth grade or something. Um, but it was very very limited, and it was basically just uh, talking about you know how they how they lived. Uh, of course, there was never any history about like what happened when yeah um, pioneers when- came to this part of the country. So there's uh, this. I'm lo- I'm looking forward to getting through this because this has been really good so far. The other thing that I I just reread because uh, we just hit the two year anniversary of Michael Brooks's death was. His book called Against the Web. It's it's um, a cosmopolitan it's, answer to the new right. Very it's good. Spectacular. That book's so good. It's really short too, so I highly recommend people buy it. It's from Zero Books. You can knock you can it out in a weekend. From them. Easy. Yeah, it's really quick. Uh, highly recommend that. When we were talking about like what radicalized us, the the person that I felt like uh, I learned the most from was Michael Brooks. He's uh, up as far there, as man. like online left people go. Um, yeah, I just really appreciated uh, his, you know the way he views humanity with such an empathetic and compassionate lens. So yeah, um, that's a really good book, especially when, you know, it's good to know it's, it's just as applicable as it was when he, when he wrote it, but just like the way that the online right metastasizes and, uh, pulls, yeah. uh, young people over to their side. So it's good to be aware of that kind of thing. Cause I feel like people like Jordan Peterson right now are having a bit of a, a resurgence, um, Unfortunately, so I think uh, it's, it's a great moralists are coming after us. <laughs> yeah, he's That's awesome. We love that guy. Goofus. Fight me. Uh, all right. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail. <laughs> I just fucking hate Jordan Peterson so much. Um, next question: Do you think that is a real? Oh, I just found Smith? Noah. I see Noah, but <laughs> it's my little guy. Hey Noah. Hey bud. I do in fact actually have a child. He is not real. Just something I not just someone I bring up on the pod. Hey bud. Wanna come sit up? Um on daddy's lap? Okay, you don't have to. Bye. Have fun. Okay, see you, dude. Can you close daddy's door, please? <laughs> Thank you very there much. He goes. I love you. Nicely done. <laughs> All right. So what was the question? Uh, do you think the picture that surfaced online was a real picture of Joseph Smith? I am choosing in my heart to believe yes, because I think it's really funny. I said online that it looked like if uh, Thomas Hayden Church was starring in The Conjuring. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm choosing to believe it. Yeah. Yes. I do think it's a real picture. Yeah. <laughs> I also I like, if we're being honest, I don't care. I don't either. It is kind of funny. Like, it doesn't look like how he's been portrayed a couple different ways. At first, he was like this very like narrow looking like face guy. And then he was like, oh, they made him a bit rounder. This guy kind of looks a bit more rugged. And I don't know. It's kind of weird. What I what I do know is I did like somebody doing like the they use that weird like mouth technology the stuff to make him sing, stuff yeah to make him sing that lizzo song oh, <laughs> no. so i did enjoy that so whether or not it is him that was pretty entertaining so i'm glad that came out yeah i think this is this is a really good question and we already kind of touched on it a little bit um but we can just give the full-fledged answer here is utah and a lot of the southwest area sustainable do you think in 20 years there will be any sort of major population or is it destined to be a hot lifeless dust bowl i did just get a notification right before we read this question from ksl saying salt lake breaks 62 year year old triple digit heat record 
a flood watch is issued for Southern Utah. I did see like a gigantic parking lot completely flooding out a bunch of cars in St. George on TikTok yesterday. So the record that was broken was the high temperature reached at 100 degrees at Salt Lake International Airport Thursday afternoon, marking us the 16th day this month where temperatures reached triple digits, the most of any month since the National Weather Service began collecting city weather data in 1874. So the previous record was 15 days sent in 1960. So um yeah. quite honestly like is is uh utah has its own particular issue with the great salt lake that is unique to utah that's wouldn't affect like you know places like arizona um where it could have become inhabitable uninhabitable pretty quickly from my understanding if uh we're on the current if the current trajectory holds so um man that's a pretty scary question to <laughs> to ask ourselves but um, you know, I hope I, I don't know. I, I hope it's not uninhabitable because as much as like we, uh, talk about how much this place is ridiculous, I do love it here <laughs> quite a bit. And, uh, it would, it would be, it's just, it's such, you know, I've, I had a conversation with some friends a couple weeks ago, um, about this. And we, we both, we all came to the conclusion and it's like, yeah, there are, there are certain things about Utah that we don't like, especially, you know, like politically and, you know, the thing like it, it turning into Fury Road, but it really is such a good home base for the stuff that I love. And like yeah. my family's here and my friends are here. And like, you know, I've lived here 35 of the 37 years I've been alive. And like, yeah, you know, there's a reason I choose to be here. And like, I, I, I want to stay here. Um, that isn't stopping me from like looking at, uh, houses in British Columbia all the time. Um, I, I don't know. I don't have my, I don't have my hopes up. And I, you know, we were just talking about books and I picked a fucking terrible time to uh, reread the grapes of wrath. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's tough because like you're saying, like, I mean, if I hadn't grown up here, like if I if I wasn't from here and if like my friends, and my family weren't here, I and yeah. like I was from elsewhere, I, I wouldn't move here um, like no. almost certainly. But like the problem is, is that like, you know, as things get more dire across the globe and as things continue to deteriorate almost in all aspects of life. Like what I find most important and uh, the most grounding for myself is being with like people I care about and people I yep. love. And that would be a lot harder if I didn't live here. So I feel kind of stuck here at some level because I think that as much as I feel like I might be if I could pick up all of my friends and family, and all of, you know, everyone I care about and move them all to a, <laughs> a place that might be more might make more sense. I would you know, I would do that. But like that's not feasible. And I don't know, like I, it kind of comes down to like what you feel like is just important in life. And if like my individual actions don't make that much of a difference in the grand scheme of things, I'd rather just like spend the years I have here, like doing what I love, like with the people I love. So yeah. Um, is it long-term, you know, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> but, like, I don't know, man. I, I think about that constantly. So um, yeah, guess TBD on that one. I'm with you, man. Um, let's uh, let's do one more. It's kind of in that same vein. We got two more yeah. questions. Um, where do you see Utah in ten to fifteen years politically and socially? Uh, I'll, ta- I'll 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 take the lead on this. I sure. think 
10 years down the line, we're not going to see a whole lot of change right now. No. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe it might be like a, a fraction more diverse. Um, but I do think things are going to continue to get more and more dire. And what we've seen is that uh, when things get more dire and, and the pressure uh, mounts, we see reactionaries get more and more reactionary. And I think they're going to really dig their heels in and we're going to continue like this is this is not. So like this is the the problems we're facing right now are not solvable in 10 to 15 years. I think that there there might be some like ancillary changes. There might be some changes around the edges, like things might be a little bit more diverse. We might get a a, a little more blue in this state, but that's going to take it's going to take a hell of a lot more than 10 to 15 years for us to see any sort of uh, actual change, let alone any sort of like radical change. We're talking like decades and decades along those lines. Like we have a we have a Democratic Party in this country or in this state that just fucking uh, nominated Evan McMullen. Yeah, you know, the whole cycle on that. So, yeah. And, you know, we're talking about that he was Paul Ryan's policy guy. So, you know, and it's still a veto proof majority. And we still have Spencer Cox as governor. And um, like it's it's I think it's easy for me to get narrow minded living in downtown Salt Lake and like living in my little bubble. Um, But that's such a small, small area of the state um that yeah i can't speak for the whole state and like the fact of the matter is this place is still one of if not the most conservative states in the nation uh and it's going to take a hell of a lot longer than 10 to 15 years for there to be like political or social change yeah and then like what i think is going to be the most interesting to watch in the last in the next 10 years is the environmental change because you know even just in the last in the last 10 years like you know we weren't having these types of conversations about the Great Salt Lake or, you know, it's, it's been, you know, pretty sparse, but there've been, you know, talks about the, the Colorado river and Lake Powell, um, Glen Canyon, et cetera, for a little while, but like, it's obviously ramped up quite a bit with how drastic, uh, I mean, it, cause it's, it's changing in, in recent memory. Like yeah. I, have, I, I, the demographics a, are changing. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I like, think, you know, four years ago I took a road trip down like, and I was by, I went to the grand Canyon. I went through parts of Lake Powell and I took photos of uh lone rock out there at Lake Powell and the water was up against the rock and the water yeah. hasn't been at, at the rock for a couple of years now. So like, it's pretty distinct, like the types of like uh, changes we're seeing environmentally here. So um, the geography is changing and I think that's going to force certain things to change, but if it doesn't, uh, we were going to go kicking and screaming into that good night. It's going to be uh, pretty exciting. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I think that's it. And we're going to wrap up with, with one last question. And cool. that is furries cool <laughs> or not. You know, that's just, that's so funny that you mentioned that because I had a buddy that was just the, the grocery store and he said, uh, what do you say? There's a person at Harmon's in a full furry attire and in an actual intellectual level. I know I should be respectful of the thing they got going on, but man, it's my animal. He said, he said, my pupper in Christ, it's a hundred degrees outside. <laughs> and let's like, you know, li- live how you want. But, uh, you know, I think you might be doing some harm to yourself if you're wearing a full animal outfit and it's this hot outside. Yeah, man. We're, I you do really, have like, some 
Yeah, keep going. We really talk about, you know, like cops get all of this love for like being having this like very dangerous and hard job and they work so many hours and like it's yeah, very dude. dude, you want to know the hardest fucking job in America? <laughs> it's being a fucking Disney character at Disneyland in July. <laughs> It yeah, is man, it's toasty out there. It is 97 degrees. It is 123 degrees in that costume. You are losing eight pounds of water weight every single day. You're like they're out there sweating like Patrick Ewing at the goddamn free throw line. <laughs> and yeah, you're right. You know what? It's a, t- it's a tough game. <laughs> Salute. But again, yeah, my pupper in Christ. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. Um, can I get on my soapbox a little bit about furries? Oh, well, just it's it's part of a bigger point. Please go. Um, and that is like I've been guilty of this as well, and I'm I'm actually kind of tired of it because I think it's a stupid trope that the left does is this like weird uh like prudeness, like this this like Protestant prudeness where like sexuality and sex is like really gross and we don't talk about it and like we're like very prudish online. I, I think we got to get over that. I think it's really, really corny. Um, <laughs> and like really regressive and like reactive. And you're kind of just like, you know, I guess in a way kind of breaking your own rules. Yeah. And like, I don't know, man, the fucking planet's burning. Do what you want. If you want to fuck in like a Fox costume, I don't care. <laughs> Like go yeah, to man. go to town, man. Like you want to clap some rabbit cheeks, <laughs> please. So so I, my I love, love. You know what? Yeah. Furries are cool, man. Furries are cool. Yeah, I uh, when I I, I went to sc- back in like my first year of college, I um, I lived with three random guys who I didn't know going into the into this fall, and one of the guys the I lived with essential college experience. Yeah, one of the guys I lived with, um, he was a very interesting dude. Uh, had a lot of funny things about him. But he, one time he asked me, uh, he had gone home for the weekends and he had asked me to pull something up on his computer and send it to him. And so I, I followed his instructions, opened up his computer, and he had a bunch of furry stuff going on there. And I was like, whoa, I don't, I don't know what this is. And, that's, and so I learned a lot about it uh, through, you know, kind of death by fire right there. Um, but I also, you know, toward the end of the uh, end of the semester, he he told me that he was going to a party and there was a, there was a La Quinta Inn right next to our, the apartment building that we lived in. And he, he was like telling me, he's like, yeah, I, I'm going to a party on Saturday. And I was like, oh yeah. I was like, what's going on? He's like, well, it's at the La Quinta Inn and it's on Saturday morning. I was like, there's not, he's also a notorious liar. And I was like, there's not a party at the La Quinta Inn on Saturday. And, and he's sure enough, Saturday morning comes around and he was gone that morning. And I was like, I'm going to go walk over to La Quinta and see what's, we'll see what's popping. And I start walking over there and there, uh, there were all these paw prints on cars, <laughs> like in the parking oh, lot. Yes. And I was like, I was like, dude. <laughs> and I started seeing a people, a couple people walking in and they had the tails coming out of their jeans. And I was like, dude, what I was, and I was still, I had learned a little bit about it, but I didn't, I didn't know how much of a thing this was. And I walk up to the lobby and all the, the two sliding glass doors open and there's just like a hundred people dressed as furries in the hotel lobby. <laughs> and my friend that I lived with just waved at me and then I was like, man, this is a real thing. So I'm, I'm happy he found other people that were into the same thing he was because he, you know, I have to imagine that would be very 
very isolating otherwise. Yeah, man. Everyone needs community. And if you find community through furry stuff, that's cool, man. You should do that. Yeah, man. So, makes you happy. Go ahead and go. You're not, you're not, you're not hurting anyone. You're just vibing out in very uh, claustrophobic costume, in my opinion. But if you can make it work, please do. More power to you. Sometimes you can hang out at La Quinta Inn at 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning in Utah. So, yeah. Well, that was a good mailbag episode. I enjoyed that. That was good. That was good. You know, we open on Tucker. And I'm going to end on Tucker because I'm okay. I'm on uh, the Tucker kick. Apparently, on his show today, he asked, "Yeah, he asked, what should we rename Monkeypox?" And somebody uh, said "Schlong COVID," and <laughs> I don't know. Like that's actually kind of funny. <laughs> that's it's pretty fucked up, but it's pretty funny. Oh man. Anyway, thanks for listening. Man. <laughs> All right, everyone. Have a good day, and we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I'm a little too tall. Could have used a few pounds. Tight pants, points, hauling me down. She was a blackhead beauty with big dark eyes. And points all her own, sudden way up high. Way up firm and high Out past the cornfields where the woods got heavy Out in the back seat of my 60 Chevy Working on mysteries without any clues Working on our night moves Trying to make some front page driving news Working on our night moves In the sweet summertime We were in love, oh no far from We were searching for some high in the sky summit We were just young and restless and bored Living by the sword Steal away every chance we could Back room to the alley of the trusty woods I used her, she used me, but neither one cared We were getting our share Working on our nightmare